this is that other sports show. Let's go. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, everyone listening everywhere, we're back. We made it back. We took like a, a good solid week and a half or something off because like just there wasn't too. really nothing going on. Uh, I mean, some stuff here and there. Last week of preseason, definitely not going to cover that. Uh, who's talking what in football, not going to cover all that because it's a bunch of nobody knows right now, right? I think here's what we missed, Jess. We missed covering... O'Malley versus the guy who we beat, whose name already escapes me, which is terrible. Aljo. Uh, we we missed recapping that, I believe. We did. Uh, we missed the rest of the preseason. Okay. Uh, we did at zero college football because don't even care right now. Oh, you don't care about the Dion stuff? No, you don't. Uh, you don't. It's okay if you don't. You don't. Just say you don't. So Just keep it one hundred. No, I, I I don't. It's it's week one. And they beat TCU, and that's cool because Colorado has been a shit program for such a long time. But let's be real, people. TCU is not the same TCU from last year. Uh, for 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 example, their starting quarterback, I believe, was Max Dugan. Okay, Max Dugan wasn't even highly uh, he wasn't even highly touted going into the draft. I don't know what round, fifth, sixth round, something like that, that he got drafted by. And guess who doesn't have a job in the NFL? Max Dugan, uh, that same quarterback that took TCU to a national championship. And now TCU has an even worse quarterback quarterbacking for them. Of course they're going to be ranked in the top 20 because they just went to the natty. But let's not let's not act like this is a big deal. Again, week no, one. No, it's a big deal. Come on, Week Jack. one. It's, it's a not deal. a big deal. Okay, that's And fair. the only reason it's a big deal is because it's got Deion Sanders' name attached and then he went off and he started talking all of his stuff. I love Dion. I think Dion's a stand-up guy. I think he was he was he's possibly a, he's a top 5 athlete in in sports history. Top 5 athlete. No one no one has done the things that he's done athletically uh in in sports, right? He's a top 5 guy. Uh he's he's a champion. He's won championships on the professional level. He was a he was a collegiate stud. Okay? And then now into, you know, broadcasting and all these other things that he's done. He's just one of those guys. He's elite at everything he does. As far as coaching is concerned, what I want to see is how does he coach, and I use that word legitimately, how does he coach of a young football team against other college uh, uh, storied programs that have been winning in college football for decades. How well, is he going to go is, and beat the USC's? How is he going to go beat Oregon? That's How is he going to go beat Utah? I want to see him beat these teams. But for now, it's a great storyline. It's great taglines. It's great hashtag Dion type stuff. Because beating TCU in week one is a big deal. Is your cup overflowing with the Dion? Is that what it is? Because there's a lot of Dion right now. Which I love. I, I'm a Dion guy. I'm a wore the Dion 21 Falcons jersey. 
I'm I had the primetime poster on the wall as a kid guy. So I'm very pro Dion. But do you think it's just I can understand someone going, it's too much. It's over, Phil. It's 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 every sports center, every sports hit, every sports radio, every podcast. Again, Jess, you know this. We have not taught college football for the yeah. better part of three or four and years. And here we are because of this guy. Starting the show. But do you but with that said, do you think there's a little bit of cup overflow? Yeah, of course. And, okay, and, cool. and, and but to to be fair, it should be expected. Yeah, that's again, fair. again, Colorado was one in eleven or something like that last season. So let me and, bef- and before that, they had won a couple games, and before the year before that, they had won a couple games. They've been again, they've been a shit football program for a decade. Okay, and so now they come into week one after the most hyped off season that this school has ever had. Getting Dion as the head coach, uh, signing Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter, by the way, may be the most exciting player in college football. Kicking ball. The kid uh, is a baller. Even Shador Sanders. Yes. Uh, a lot ball. of a lot of these a lot of these kicking kids ball. of professional athletes, a lot of them come into their own and then they're they get like shell shocked by the the last name on the back of their jersey that matched the same one as their Hall of Fame dad. You know what I mean? Or yeah. trying to live up to Hall of Fame dad's stat lines. Dor Sanders came in and he straight just let it rip. He is not just Deion Sanders' kid. He is a legitimate threat to the Heisman Trophy and and going into a top five NFL draft. If I mean, this kid's got it all. He's got the size, the arm strength, the mobility, and and, and he's got the he's got. Through command, that's the one thing I want to say about Shador Sanders. All the other electrifying stuff is great. What I saw is command presence on the football field in week one. And yeah, he took I, that game over. Uh, but most college football that I've watched, and I can't tell you how long, outside of championship games, which are usually bad, blow out, so they get turned off quickly. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to bounce all over the place here, but I, and, and then I want to try and transition because we did not plan on talking about this <laughs> at all. And we're starting the show with it, but that's what we do. I, that's what we do. Um, so Dion maximized the flip of college football, if you will, with the NIL now being as active as it is and the transfer portal. I think that there were a lot of great top-level college teams that were scratching the surface of doing this. Maybe they were maxing out the, the, the INL, but they weren't the transfer portal or vice versa. Dion fucking did it all. And I think there was a lot of hesitation, a lot of, and this is just my take, a lot of old boy network, college football guys going, nah, I don't work like that here. He's going to get humbled real quick. And when you watch the game, you realize quickly, this isn't like most college football games where it's one-sided and a team's getting their doors blown off within a quarter or two quarters. This felt like, all right, Colorado definitely needs to be here. They've got the superstar players in the right places. And early on to me, it went, uh, they got to go up big and then survive TCU's counterpunching when they at some point make those adjustments. That never happened because, like you said, Jess, that TCU quarterback is definitely not the kid that they had last year. No. Um, his accuracy was not great. 
and uh, Colorado was just able to get to get out to get off the field a lot of times. And and Sanders, to his point, that kid was able to make a lot of plays and throwing for 500 yards your first game, breaking that Colorado record. That's a lot. Uh, Dion is going deservedly so was able to sit up there and do a lot of that. I told you so, right? But like you said, Jess, it's week one. And I believe at some point this year, they do got to play USC. And I believe at some, point three. Year, at some point this year, they might have to play in Oregon. And those are the games where he's going to get humbled. And those are the games where the good old boy network people are going to be, see, Dion told you so. See, Dion, now you eat this fucking crow. Now, Dion, to uh, quote a great MC, Kobe, tell me how my ass tastes. I think we're going to be getting that <laughs> come that time. But it's a learning experience for Dion. And Dion has always been brash. And Dion has always been a dude to never bite his tongue. Going back to when he was dumping uh, bottles of, of Gatorade and buckets of Gatorade on Tim McCarver, a triple OG old boy network baseball type of cat. So uh, I, I love what Dion's doing, but I'm also kind of understanding that this is a week by week process. And right now he deserves to be the shit right now. He deserves his flowers, but let's see where we're at in a few weeks. Let's see where we're at after that USC game. Let's see where we're at after he has to play on another Pac-10 school or, or I'm not sure who they say, who Colorado or who else they play, but when he has to play a team that's rightfully ranked within that top 10 or 15 and has uh, a core, uh, a core pl- uh, team of players, a nucleus, if you will, of returning starters that have been there for second for two, three years and kind of just know the field better. That that's the type of shit that'll matter. But cross that bridge when we get there, Jess. Week one, it's, I'm telling you, week one, week, it's it, week one college <laughs> football. Now, don't get me wrong, week one college football has a lot more uh, worth to it. Uh, a, a lot, a lot more rides on week one college football than it does week one NFL, which we're going to get into here. Yeah, uh, and, and, and trust me, but, we will and, talk Dion again after week four, after week six. The Dion thing, it's too hot of a topic for us not to touch just because if we don't do it, touch it, we're doing our listeners yeah. a disservice. But uh, yes. real quick, while Go we're ahead. talking, while we're out actually getting past the point of our college football talk, uh, please go to Twitter where you can follow Saturday Showdown, uh, CFB underscore Sat Showdown. They are uh, Variety Sports official college football podcast and these guys are terrific they love the game of college football they love the atmosphere it brings uh you know for a fact they've talked Deion sanders and shador and travis and that whole colorado win over tcu probably a million times already so saturday showdown on twitter and then while you're at it go follow variety sports network at variety underscore sports underscore I have an enormous variety short sports shout out. Our boys, Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports. And let me tell you this. I've been checking these dudes out here the past few weeks while we've been on our little hiatus, Jess. And I want to make sure I'm not fucking up his name. But shout out our boy, Darren. For some reason, I want to call him Derek. But shout out our boy, Darren, who it seems to me does more shows than anybody on the Variety Sports Network. My man, every time I turn on Twitter, he's doing a live show. It feels like every other night 
right around five or six, my man's doing a baseball show. He's getting ready for the football season with his boy, Tyler, uh, and their other boy, Brian, who I absolutely love. Brian is, he's like a Belichickian type cat. I love him. So uh, shout out to Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports. I know they show us a lot of love. So listen, I'm, I'm about uh, showing support for the people that show us support. Uh, and uh, I do very much enjoy their show. But listen, when y'all are doing your show on Twitter, check Twitter because when you guys are live, I'm in there making comments. I'm in there hearting it. And I feel like y'all ain't reading that. So, so peek in there every once in a while. You might have a viewer in there. That viewer <laughs> might be me. The most important one, by the way. Yeah, fucking night. Let me tell you. All right, Jess, the UFC. We've got. Listen, I want to talk about CM Punk and all this stuff and all the stuff that's happened with AEW, but we're not doing that. I want to talk about Sugar Sean and the shit he's talking and how he's pulling Triple C and, and how all there's all this good beef right now, but we're not doing that. We're going to try because we're already 15 we ain't minutes. Gonna, we ain't going to talk about Sugar Sean's new championship tattoo on his like, face. I want to get an expert on and talk about this lawsuit that's going on that seems like long-term might absolutely fuck the UFC. And we might have a scenario here in a year or two where fighters are on year deals and two-year deals rather than four, six, eight fight deals. And I want to get one of our real smart, knowledgeable MMA cats on here who know what they're talking about. Because I've barely done scratch the surface stuff on this. I've dedicated all my time to watching Jim Cornette talk about CM Punk getting fired and uh, Sean Ross Sapp talking about CM Punk getting fired. That I have not, that I've done no true investigation into this whole UFC lawsuit, but it seems to me like it is not going to end well for the UFC and may end well for fighters who can fuck around and do a thing where they're fighting somewhere for two years and they're fighting somewhere else for two years. And then maybe because of all of this, we get some new organization, like some Abu Dhabi fend, uh, funded organization that comes out and they, they're paying fighters a shitload of money for two-year contracts uh we listen just we're not doing all that we're talking ufc there's a big pay-per-view this weekend it's 293 just we are once again by an incredible ufc pay-per-view that is now washing this pay-per-view this pay-per-view is mama mid there's about three names. I guess three fights here that I'm really interested in. And then after that, it's kind of maybe they're trying to create new stars. Maybe they're just looking for filler to get to the Izzy fight, even though Izzy isn't fighting the dude that we want to see him fight. He's fighting a guy that we've already seen him beat. So we're doing that thing. Jess, where are we starting? You ready to start at the bottom of this card? Uh. From the bottom to the top, this I got it up. I, I got it up. <laughs> I said Pedro. He's fighting, and here's my first name. I'm ready to butcher. We are once again on brand on that of the sports show. Anton Turkle. He's got a J at the end of that. You got a J at the end that of name, that. That name is so disappointing, just like this fight is. <laughs> What a, listen, you know what's letting me down? My lack of vernacular and being able to pronounce this young man's name. You know what else is letting me down? Someone someone assuming I'm going to spend $70 on this card 
after I spent $50 on All Out last week and $50 on All In the week before that. Jess, who you got? Well, I don't know much about Anton, uh, except the fact that he could be some sort of spy or something but in a Mission Impossible movie. Um, no, Tyson Pedro, Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro, as far as I know, uh, Tyson Pedro, is he's a fiery dude. He likes to stand up game. Uh, he's long and lanky, and he matches up well with Anton, who's also six foot four himself. He's he's a really tall ass dude. Uh, Tyson six two six three something something like that. So it's not like it's the 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 reach is going to be a huge uh, disadvantage for Tyson. Tyson's a phone booth fighter. He's going to try to go in there and beat up the body uh, to try to get to to land those strong hooks. My guess is it'll probably be a decision. Uh, Tyson Pedro three round decision. Yeah, I, I just can't believe this is the curtain jerker. Um, yeah, Tyson Pedro. <laughs> uh, the, the, this is pretty. It's pretty even odds. Uh, I see minus a hundred on what I'm looking yeah. at here for Anton, whose name I cannot, uh, last name I cannot pronounce. But I'm with you, Jess. I like Tyson Pedro. Um, I like his ruggedness, and I think he's going to turn this into a sloppy, floppy fight. I think he wins two or three rounds, and I'm going uh, Tyson Pedro decision. Light heavyweight needs stars. Here we are once again, Jess. We need to build stars, create stars, and maybe this fight does so. Our next fight, speaking of stars, I'm a fan of Justin Taffa. I'm a fan of big, meaty men slapping meat. He's taking on Austin Lane. Jess, who you got? Well, again, uh, I, do, I do know that Taffa is just like he's your prototypical, and I hate to say that, but he's your prototypical typical New Zealander. Don't be prejudiced just, here, just, yes. just big, strong, tough guy, right? Like the kind of guy that in a bar you would see him with a pretty girl and think, oh, man, I can go steal his girl. And then he feeds you to some sort of wild pig out in the desert because you found out that he can lift you with one arm tied behind his back and throw you around. Uh, uh, Taffa's a tough dude. And what I didn't know was that these two had already previously fought back at a UFC fight night a while back, and uh, it was a no contest. So here we go with a pretty, you know, uh, good rematch between two tough guys, Austin Lane and Justin Taffa. I'm going to go with Taffa. I think Taffa's, uh, again, he's, he's, uh, he's just that big, strong, tough guy is going to be in your face. He's going to be looking for big takedowns and big punches. Austin Lane's a little bit lankier, uh, and I believe that the weight advantage will be for Taffa, and the strength advantage will also be for Taffa. I'm going to go Taffa TKO round two. Yeah, I'm uh, once again piggybacking off of your pick. I like Taffa knockout round one. Um, Austin is definitely going to have to use jab, paw, keep this fight on the outside. Taffa is not going to allow that. Bull in China shop. Knockout round one. Fight three, Manel Cape. For some reason, I want to keep calling Manel Cape Blood Diamond. I know he is not Blood Diamond, but I want to call him <laughs> Blood Diamond. We got some flyweights here, Jess. Manel Cape is a pretty decent favorite here at minus 380. He's taking on the undefeated Felipe Dos Santos. Just who you got? Uh, I like the uh, the man who would want to be Blood Diamond, Manel Cape. Uh, Manel Cape has UFC experience. He's been under the lights. 
Dos Santos is not. This is his first fight in the UFC. He's had some other fights in the LFA and, and over in Brazil. But it, we've seen it time and time again. It's rare unless you're an elite breed of fighter from, you know, some other country to come into the United States and beat a guy who's been fighting in the States and fighting against top-notch competition. And in the UFC, that's just about all you have is top-notch competition. Manel um, Cape's been on the, the big end of some wins and some big end of some L's. But in this fight, I've got Cape, and I'm going to go decision. You know, I got excited for a second doing my research on Dos Santos because I see that he's a shoot-to-box fighter. But then they say he's a Diego Lima shoot-to-box fighter, and I go, wait a minute. Is that the shoot-to-box that I'm used to, or is that some... That's off, that off-brand. Is that is that some off-brand? Is it is it like the third edition of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that was bad? I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is full Felipe Dos Santos deer in the headlights fight against Manel Cape. If he doesn't get a submission early, if he doesn't get a takedown, if he doesn't get a trip takedown quickly, Manel Cape is going to pound him through the octagon floor. And that's how I think this fight finishes. I think Manel Cape finishes Felipe Dos Santos. I think Dos Santos makes it through one round. But I think we're also going to get a lot of like sloppy cartwheel takedown attempts that are going to look bad. And uh, Cape's, Cape's going to overwhelm him. I like Cape uh, TKO round two. Jess, I was going to make a Tui Tui Vasa joke with Justin Taffa, but I'm not allowed to because guess who's fighting next? Tui Vasa. He's taking on our boy Alexander. Chewy, baby. He's the back. Chewy. He's back. Listen, I'm, I'm not about... I know you're more of a pro Derek Lewis. My balls are hot guy. I'm a Tui Vasa guy. This is my love the slug, love to bite down on the mouthpiece, cabbage Korea 3.0 heavyweight. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> this reference. is my guy. I love this fucking guy. He's a dog. He's taking on Volkov. Jess, who you got? I love I love Tui. I really do. The Shuey is great. The way he interacts with people is great. He's just like a he's a guy's guy, right? Like he's the yeah. he's the guy who, unlike Toffa, Toffa will buy you a beer if you're nice to him, but if you're not, he'll rip your arm off. Tui will just hang out with you. Like Tui Vasa is is a good dude, and like I said, uh, he's he's in all rights. He is kind of a cabbage three <laughs> He does just bite down on the mouthpiece. He does just go berserker style. And he gets into those fights where it's like, wow, man, super exciting. You know exactly why the, the UFC keeps him around and keeps giving him more fights and why he's always on main cards. Uh, here's the thing, though. His last two fights that he's lost have been against very um, as close to elite strikers in the heavyweight division as possible, uh, being Sergey, uh, our man Sergey Pavs, Pavlich, and uh, Cyril gone. So both two guys that are great at striking – and are very athletic. And now here we are again, Tui Vasa taking on a very athletic and very elite striker in Alexander Volkov. I'm going Alexander Volkov. I don't think that he finishes the fight, but I do think that he wins the fight in a unanimous decision. Man, but I still I, think I, I still think we see we see a Shuey somewhere though. Doesn't this feel like if these guys fought 10 times, you can have a 5-5 five, five or a 6-4 type of outcome after the 10. 
Yeah, I mean, Volkov, again, the, for me, it's all about the striking and the placement. And and to, to a, uh, Ty needs to get in there close. And again, fight that phone book booth, that phone booth Is fight that you like to throw. Again, I just don't see it happening against a guy it. like Volkov's like 12 feet long. Yeah, you're and very let's right. not forget that, too. Super hard yeah. to get in on him from any fighter's angle. Let alone Ty, who is, you know, uh, he's like my size basically. He's like me trying to get it on on Volkov, who's six foot seven, six foot eight, some shit like that. Like it's very difficult, and especially I'm not saying that Ty's not an athlete, but he's not DK Metcalf athlete. Okay, so I mean, <laughs> let's be let's be let's be real here, right? Like I mean, he's a big strong. He dude. doesn't I'm have sure an eight pack. He, he he's know, not he, a macros guy. He's not he's not a macros guy at all. Like unless macros is some type of beer in macaroni and cheese. Macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> that is that oh. that really, really pleasures me, that joke right there. He definitely is not DJ Metcalf. What a great way for you to transition into week one of football by comparing two to we lost it. They're about the same damn size. I mean, I, I think mean, Metcalf, Metcalf I think walks Metcalf around like 240, taller, 245. No? I think you might be right. You might be right. You might be fucking right. Um, man, I, I okay, so let me say this. I think when we're looking at the lines, and if there's gonna be an upset where I'm like, let's let's win you guys some money. This is probably the the fight that I'd feel most comfortable saying this is where you're going to get an upset because you're going to get big me- big meaty men slapping meat and Tui Vasa is going to take fucking chances. The problem is Volkov is very good at making you pay when you take chances with hard counter strikes, whether they're punches, kicks, knees, um, Volkov's problem sometimes is he gets into fights where he 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 just he runs out of gas late in these fights. I think I see. I'm pretty sure he got knocked out by uh, Black Beast late in a fight where he just he just yeah he was actually winning that fight. And he just ran out of gas. Um, so maybe Tuivasa could can keep it standing for three five three rounds and just make it a sloppy floppy fight where you know they're they're just they're chest to chest they're fucking they're they're button horns but i just don't trust tui vasa's gas tank neither and i've seen fights where i see tui vasa switch the gear and to me it looks like he's going i ain't got much left in this fucking gas tank and i'm definitely not going to get taken down here for a fucking another round and a half so i'm just going to walk in here and throw bombs and if they land cool and if i get knocked out fuck it it is what it is um, I feel like this is how this fight's going to end. I think some point in the second round, Tui's going to say, fuck that. I'm tired of being getting peppered on the outside. I'm tired of, of a slow, methodical fight that Volkov is leading. I'm not taking this fucking guy down. So I'm just going to take, I'm going to risk it or biscuit. I'm going to take more shots. And that's when Volkov knocks him out. I can see a TKO here where he hits Tafa, he drops Tafa jumps on him because he's not going to be a get up get up i want to knock you out standing dude he's going to jump on him and try and, and try and uh, beat him with uh, you know ground strikes if you will to finish so well, going... and, and, and and let's not forget that volkov is actually a pretty polished submission yes guy. so yes well, i mean polished period he's he's yeah, more well-rounded than tui vasa and i think that's yeah. that's really what it comes down to but they are heavyweights 
Tuivasa hits harder than a motherfucker. So maybe, truck, baby. May, this is where I'm saying when I look at my only upset, I look at it here because I just go, I've seen Volkov get caught in fights. I've seen him make minor mistakes that a heavyweight hand can take advantage of, and maybe that happens in this fight, but but I don't think it does. I, I, I like I like Volkov in this fight via uh, via stoppage round two. Jess, we've made it to the main event as you and I were speaking on uh, prior to the uh, you know pre-show, if you will, before we hit the record button. Uh, the individual who was supposed to be in this fight, Dresques Duplass, pulled out due to injury. If you recall, Duplass knocked out Vittori. Israel Asanda ran into the cage, uh, dropped 57 N-bombs, uh, and then left. So we were excited for this fight, I believe. And now this is the fight we get. Uh, Sean is a big dog, if you will, at plus 460. Um, I want to talk about Israel for a moment here, but I want to get your pick first, Jess. Who you got? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying... Israel wins by whatever means he wants to win. He there's there's no I don't does see he anywhere. Does he knock him out? I, yeah, he, he he can knock him out. So I, I don't think that he knocks him out. I, I think that I think that uh Sean's a pretty tough dude. I don't think that he's been knocked out except by I'm I'm thinking of a of a knockout, but I can't remember who he got knocked out by. Um you about Sean? Yeah, Sean. He got, he got knocked out by uh Pereira. Yeah, Prey Prey laid him out pretty pretty good, and and I don't I think that Izzy has power, but I don't think he has that kind of power. So uh, I I I would go as far as to say uh, I'm going to say it's a TKO finish by third round, third round TKO finish. Izzy catches him, drops him with a knee or something <laughs> against the cage type of thing, and then finishes him on the ground. Uh, but this is what I this is what I want to give you all to think about, and I'm I'm going to post this on Twitter uh, here as soon as I'm done because I just thought of it. But is is this a, a situation? Is this like an Anderson versus Chael? Mm. Could this be the next big thing where Anderson when he when he came into that first Chael son and fight, it was a ton of hype, a ton of talk. And Anderson was already on a roll, right? Already probably perceived by many to be the greatest of all time at that time. And then in comes Chael Sonnen. And Sonnen basically beat Anderson Silva for every second of that fight, except for the last 30 seconds of that fight when okay. Anderson was able to Yeah, yeah, to pull the, off yeah that you win. said it wrong, Jesse. You said it was Chael was beating Anderson for major yes. joy in that fight. You said Anderson was and beating then, Yes, and then Anderson wins like the last thirty seconds to retain his his uh, middleweight championship. Chael once again caught in a triangle, the the triangle that early in his career seemed to beat him time after time again. So could could Sean Strickland somehow manage to become Izzy's Chael Sonnen? He tries to be a a, a weak sauce version of Chael. A lot of talk, a lot of like weird, negative, like homophobic slurs and shit. Like I think stuff that Chael even stayed away from, to be honest. Uh, but then you have Izzy, who is that the 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 bold, you know, uh, electrifying entertainer in the cage, the champion. Many say that that Izzy is now the greatest of all time. Could we see a situation where Chael, uh, uh, Sean Strickland becomes uh, Izzy Adesanya's Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva? So I would I would say no to that because. What made Chael versus Anderson so intriguing was that first fight where Chael was winning 
and lost in the last minute or so. And we had the six months of what if on top of and of top of Chael just being, you know, maybe at the apex of, of his, his promo cutting at that time. I mean, he was just fucking unbelievable. Um, then, of course, the second fight, uh, Anderson destroyed him. I mean, I think I remember if you remember Chael won one round because he was able to get top position. A lot of takedowns. And, and we yeah. thought and we thought this is going to be a wash rinse repeat. He's going to fucking beat Anderson. And then Anderson just beat the shit out of him in the, in, in the following round. Just knocked him was out. Was that the knee to the, the midsection? Yep. Was that, yep. no, was that, that it. fight? Yeah, that was it. That was it. So I, I would disagree, but I think you should put it on the poll. And I think it is. And I think it is an intriguing. It's an intriguing. It's, it's an intriguing thought. But, yes. but where my head goes. With 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 Izzy and the comparison to Anderson, is I think we need to stop comparing Anderson and Izzy because I don't think Izzy will ever catch Anderson. I think even if Ander- even if Izzy wins five six more fights, which is which is very possible, um, I think the difference is is. Anderson never lost in his prime. He might have got close to losing in his prime, but he had such an unbelievable stretch where he just, for years he didn't lose. And Including fight, fights and, at light And he weight. was fighting fucking everybody. Now, if you want to say, yeah, he got beat in Japan and then he came to America and had an incredible run before he lost to, uh, to the guy who's Chris Weidman. Okay, that's fine. But you have to take that substance of what we have in between when he lost in Japan to the Lieben fight all the way to when he lost, how many years that was, how many fights that was, how we beat everyone. And like you said, Jess, how he went up. The Izzy thing to me is different because Izzy got knocked out in kickboxing and was on the, 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 the bad end of the two out of three with that. Then he came to the UFC, and then he wasn't necessarily that guy. And then he was that guy. And then he had the Anderson-type run where when, you put, when we do the side-by-side comparison, you go, there are, there's years here where he fought everybody and did not lose. And, he beat, and, and, and everybody was great that he was beating. He was beating elite guys when these guys were elite. Anderson had a little bit of a stretch where the guys he were beating were not elite. And I believe that is where we are at right now with Izzy. I think Izzy has reached that plateau now where after the Perea fight, they need guys for him to beat. Him beating uh, Strickland again doesn't impress me. Him beating a guy that he's already beat doesn't impress me. And, and I don't think Strickland's done a ton to get back into that spot. He just happened to be healthy at the right spot at the right time. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, to, to kind of, and, and uh, by the way, I don't know if I even gave my pick, but I agree with you. I like Izzy. I like a stoppage sometime in the championship rounds, maybe round four, maybe round five. I think Strickland takes more chances in this fight and, and he's going to get knocked out in doing so. I also think Izzy's going to have a lot more confidence because he knows he can beat this guy. So I think Izzy knocks him out in the fourth or fifth round. But I think now, when we are doing our comparisons and now we have this totality of four or five years of Izzy on top. Yeah. But he got knocked out and that didn't happen. And, and when we look at Anderson, yes, he got knocked out. You know, that, that, 
but it was after how many years? Was it at one more year than Izzy? Two more years than Izzy? Maybe three more years than Izzy? Don't have it in front of me, but I know there was a sizable amount of more time in between what happened with Izzy and what happened with Anderson. So I think that needs to come into play. And I think, in my opinion now, when we're doing the whole who's the greatest at 185 of all time, who's the greatest, in my opinion now, it's not it's, it's, it's Anderson. It always was Anderson, but now it's it's just like it's not even debatable to me. No, I, I I like that take. I like that take a lot. Jess, I believe that we have finished the UFC, and now we will be moving to your favorite sport, the sport of kings, if you will, the NFL. Jess, we've made it. We've done countless amount of shows this year, waiting for this moment, Jess, and we are here. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Week one. So earlier I was talking about how week one uh, NFL doesn't have as big of an impact as week one college football. And, and I think that that's safe to say is true, but nothing gets a sports fan more hype than what I believe is this uh, week one NFL. Like, and I know that you're, we're going to come across some games that are garbage. We're going to come across a couple games that are good. But week one NFL just means to me that we're now finally past all the talk, all the <laughs> training camp bullshit, all the, you know, uh, all the, the noise behind all the, the sideline reporters that really matter to the ones that really don't matter. We're finally over it all. Let's move into the professionalism of the, of the National Football League. And here we go with week one. I'm super stoked. We will, to set the table, just like when we did our prediction show, we will be using the lines.com. TheLines.com utilizes Caesars Sportsbook, FanDuel, BetMGM, PointsBet, BetRivers, DraftKings, and Bet365. So we basically got some of the strongest books here. When the lines are a little bit hokey, I will let you know. But when the lines are usually matching, give or take a half of a point, we're going to ride with that line. I want to see week three or four here. Jess and I will start having more fun with this where Jess will be predicting lines or I will be predicting lines. But as of right now, we're just going to give you the lines. So Jess, we're going to start with Thursday night, the Kansas city chiefs. They're at home. They're a six and a half point favorite across the board to the visiting Detroit lions. The lions got a lot of juice. I've been waiting a long time to say juice and Mm -hmm. Jess, I am already seeing a lot of your favorite predictors predicting the Lions to win this game. Jess, who you got? For the first time in a long time, I can say with all honesty, if the Detroit Lions ended up going into Arrowhead and beating the Chiefs, I wouldn't be all that surprised. This year's Kansas City team is not even close to what they were last year. And last year's Super Bowl winning team was not even as close as it was to previous Super Bowl winning teams. This team has Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony as their wide receivers currently. They got okay. that rookie too. They got that rookie. Don't forget the They rookie. got Justin Ross, who was the rookie last year, got hurt, and he's finally healthy now. And he was supposed to be a big deal. I believe he was a Clemson product. He was supposed to be a big deal. He has not fully come through to becoming a big deal. Now, he hasn't really touched an NFL field, so we don't really know. And it could turn out to be another Andy Reid experiment gone right. But until he's actually on the field and playing football and catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, 
I'm telling you right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are a two-man crew. That's Patrick and that's Travis Kelsey. That's it. That's about all they got out there. They got some uh, Isaiah Pacheco. They got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They got a couple of mediocre, like, mid running backs that they'll interchange throughout games. But the Chiefs are still the champs, and you got to to be the champ. You got to beat the champ, and I don't think Detroit beats the champ. I like the Chiefs at home, and I like the spread. I want to be ballsy this first game and say no Chris Jones, and I don't care. It's Tuesday morning. I don't care if the fuck guy puts a jersey on tonight and shows up Thursday. He's not making the impact because he hasn't got reps. He hasn't been with the team, and you just you, you're going to be a little cold for a week or two, as is. Um, I'm in agreement with Jess. I think this is going to be an interesting year on offense for Kansas City, and I would not be surprised if it takes three or four weeks before they figure it out. It might be a heavy dose of Kelsey. It might be a heavy dose of Mahomes uh, running the old bootleg and doing, you know, doing a lot more with his feet. However, I, much like you, Jess, agree. I like Kansas City. I like the points. We're going to keep it moving. Here is our first shitty game, Jess. I am not going to allow you to spend more than 10 seconds on this game. The Atlanta Falcons, they are at home. They are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we will let you know if you are betting and you have any brains, you know if a team is at home and they're a three-point favorite, that usually means that Vegas is looking at them more of an even team. You're always going to get three points at home, Jess. Who you got? I got the home team. Atlanta's not much better, but I think they're still better than the Carolina Panthers. This game is going to be so fucking bad, and I would not Gross. be surprised if it's 17-13 to finish. <laughs> I like Atlanta. I hate Ritter, and I do not trust Ritter at all. And They I, do have Bijan. I mean, so what happens if they go down 13 nothing? That's going to be – that is going to be my <laughs> – what I say about the Atlanta Falcons all year long. Now, Bijan is keeping them in games, and if he is a fucking stud and they win games because he's – 1999 Eddie George, then let me shut the fuck up. But I don't think that's happening. They're going to have games where they're down and he's going to be irrelevant. Let's keep it moving here, Jess. The Cleveland Browns are a two and a half point dog at home. I still do not know if Joe Burrow is playing all signs point to yes, but they're a two and a half point favorite on the road. That's across the board, Jess. Who you got? Uh, I believe Joe Burrow is going to play. I believe that, that the, uh, head coach, I believe it's Zach Taylor. I believe he will come up with a game plan that is a lot of run and short passes to keep him from having to sit in the pocket for too long. Uh, but they need Burrow to win. That's like one of those legitimate things. They need Burrow in the game playing, even limping on a leg. They need him in the game to win. And so uh, I will take the Bengals. I will take the points, but the uh, the Browns will keep it interesting as long as the as long as Deshaun Watson is a, in in more of a Houston Texan form than he was mm-hmm. uh, as his uh, past Cleveland Brown form. The Browns will keep it interesting. We talked about it on our pre-show tapings, on our pickums tapings. Which Deshaun Watson are you getting? Are you getting the Watson? that was unbelievable in the wild card game against the Bills, and we all thought this guy is the future of the league? 
Or are you getting the Watson of last year that just looked disinterested at times? He was looking like James Harden out there on the basketball court, just going through the fucking motions. I'm going to pull my balls out on this game, Jess, and I'm going to go Cleveland with my first upset. I think Cleveland wins by a field goal. I don't trust Burrow injured, and I can see a scenario where Cincinnati goes, let's sit him this week and let's try and have him healthy. We've got a long season here, and we'd rather sit him here and rest him and have him game two, game three. I like Cleveland in my first upset. Jesse, Jacksonville Jags are on the road. I'm seeing some four and a half. So I'm seeing some fives, and I'm seeing some five and a half. So I'm going to leave it right at five. They're on the road. They're taking on the Colts. The Colts got a rookie quarterback. I don't know if the running backs is playing or not. I believe he's not because he's on the PUP for the first few weeks. Jess, who you got? Uh, I got your boy T-Law, Trevor Lawrence, baby. Yes. Trevor Lawrence coming in. Yes. I'm not <laughs> – I'm not fully on the train, but I'm like I'm I'm at no. least I'm I'm at least looking into the internet to see how much tickets cost to ride the train. Uh, it's taking you some time. Yeah, it's taking two fucking years, but you've made it. Trevor Lawrence, man, he's starting to win me over with the, that that those luscious blonde locks of his. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's got a hell of a team. I mean, if you thought that they surprised people last year, then they shouldn't be a surprise this year. They should just be – you should just look out for this team. They're going to be really good. Calvin Ridley is is uh, back in the NFL, and he's running <laughs> he's running the route tree like a, like a fucking maniac in camp. I mean, he Calvin Ridley with Atlanta was one of the best up-and-coming uh, wide receivers in the league, and then because of a sports bet thing, they kick him out for a year, which I believe was bullshit – but here we go now, brand new start, brand new team, brand new quarterback, and a quarterback that can actually throw him the ball. This is going to be an exciting year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I got the Jags, I got the points. Jaguars got a lot of toys. The Colts got a rookie quarterback, a rookie coach, a new coach rather, and no running back. I would pound this five like you would not believe. I, I'm not surprised. I am honestly surprised this is not an eight or a nine. And again, it's Tuesday morning. You're listening to this on Friday afternoon. I would almost guarantee you this number's moved. Uh, Jags and pound that five. <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks, they're supposed to be trash this year. Minnesota Vikings, I saw an ESPN article picking Minnesota to make it to the NFC Championship game. They're a six-point favorite, Jess. Who you got? Uh, I want that guy's job, whoever picked the Minnesota Vikings in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Can somebody pay me to make up bullshit stories? Because I can do it. I can oh, do easily. it. Easily. I mean, I think Jay and I do it here on this show sometimes. We, we make up every some bullshit week. shit every week. So, I mean, if you want to pay somebody to do that, we're your boys. Like, I'll give you my phone number. Let's hook up and, like, make some make some business deals. Uh, Tampa Bay is trash. Tampa Bay is trash. By the way, uh, Brandon Bean, Buffalo Bills GM, uh, I want to introduce you to whoever the GM is of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> hey, let's make a trade for Mike Evans, huh? Hey, how about Immediately. that? Immediately. Immediately, like right now, let's bring Mike over. Mike, Mike says, "Hey, man, I want to play for a team that wins," and uh, he's looking to get out of Tampa Bay, and I would too, because Baker Mayfield is trash. Oh, he's so trash. Oh, sorry. Okay, uh, Minnesota. Do you, think, do you think Baker Mayfield is worse than than Ritter? I I think they're in the. No, I I think the Ritter is better because he's he hasn't wow. had 
Ritter has not had the experience. We don't have, we don't have enough film me. on Ritter to say yes. I, exactly. This I don't is have film on him. ball that says unsure. Come back later. This is in in the the Baker Mayfield stuff can be traced back to whenever, like even in his collegiate career, we can talk about there's certain games and, and moments of, of Baker's career. And then, yeah. of course, he also made his career being in a, a very good college quarterback. But, I mean, his NFL career has been marred by a lot of things. And people will say, oh, well, he played all that time injured and that really screwed things up. Then don't play injured, idiot. You you, you got a contract that says, we, hey, man, I can take we, time off. We did, this, we did this take at length last year. And I remember you and I both saying on this goddamn show, he has no business playing right now long term. He is hurting his value short term, long term, by trying to play injured short term. Yes. And that's exactly what fucking happened. So I, I don't want to spend a ton, a ton of time on, on Baker Mayfield. We've no. done that for Min- several years. Minnesota, Minnesota, take the points, please. I think if this was an eight, I would say take the points. I like Minnesota. They're going to pound the ball. Justin Jefferson, he's going to have like 25 catches. Jefferson's going to get his, and Tampa Bay is going to have problems moving the chains. I would not be surprised if they don't score more than 13 points. I like Minnesota. I like the points. Tennessee Titans, they're a three-point dog. They're on the road with the New Orleans Saints. This is telling me this three across the board that Vegas and the Sharks don't know what to think about Tennessee. And they don't know what to think about New Orleans. And I think that's a fair assessment. What do you got? That is fair. Because uh, we don't know what Derek Carr is going to do in New Orleans yet. And and we don't, and we know, don't know what Tannehill is going to do. We don't know what Tannehill is going to do. We don't know if it's going to be Malik Willis. We don't know what's going on. We have a bunch of unknown assets in this game. And is DeAndre Hopkins going to regain his form and all of a sudden be catching one ar- one fingered catches over 15 people? You know, like. We haven't seen it. We don't know it. That's where the, the the spread comes. So as far as I'm concerned, this is what I'm thinking of. Alvin Kamara is not playing. I believe that he's suspended for through the first four games, six games, something like that. So he's not going to play for a minute. But they drafted a kid who is shifty like Kamara. And they also grabbed the dude uh, Williams from Detroit who scored like 2,000 touchdowns in a season just like a year ago. The the running back core in New Orleans is going to be just fine. They're going to run and pound the rock. They still have Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to find Olave and Michael Thomas and some of these other guys. I think the Saints are going to be fine this year. And I think that they're definitely going to win this game at home versus Tennessee. And if I were you, and I think many will, you should take the points. Yeah, this one to me is tricky. Um, this to me is a pick because I could see a scenario where Tennessee rolls in, runs the ball like you wouldn't believe, sets up play action to DeAndre, and they make they make just enough plays to get out of there with a win. And I can see a scenario where New Orleans shows up and Carr has that first FU game. And Olave has a monster game, and they end up ripping one off. Um I'm leaning towards New Orleans. I don't love this pick. I'll take New Orleans. I'll take the three. I feel very pessimistic about this pick, if you will. But I'm taking it because, again, I'm going to start with it and I'm going to end with it. I just don't know enough about these teams. And I feel like we will have a lot better grasp on where both of these teams are headed after, like, week four. 
Jesse, San Francisco 49ers are traveling week one. They're a two and a half point favorite on the road versus everybody's darling. I've noticed the past week, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've seen people picking Pittsburgh to win this game. Just who you got. So I don't know what it is, but I don't want to believe this Steeler hype just yet. Because mm-hmm. I still am a very – if you guys have listened to the show before, and Jason, you can contest to this, uh, I'm very quarterback-driven team guy. Like, if you have a franchise quarterback and he is good, then I will pick you over a good football team with no franchise quarterback. Like, that's kind of how my train of thought process goes. And in this game, I, I people are relying on Kenny Pickett. And don't get me wrong, Pickett had an, uh, a much better sophomore season, okay? So I get that. But, big, big show me year. Uh, but this is a huge opportunity for Pickett in this offense, especially with all the hype that some of these offensive players are getting, like a George Pickens. Pickens is supposed to be this dynamic guy. I believe I even heard somewhere on a radio, on a podcast somewhere, somebody said that Pickens – is a better receiver than Justin Jefferson. And I'm like, I, this yeah. is this is ridiculous, considering that Pickens has done nothing in his career. And Justin Jefferson literally is the most dynamic receiver to have entered the league in the past two decades. So, like, we're really, like, we're really stretching limits here with this media stuff, people. We, we need to reel it in a little bit. But the Steelers' defense is good, and we love Mike Tomlin all the time, okay? I, I've said it on this podcast before. I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. I'm a Bills Mafia guy through and through. But I would trade McDermott for Tomlin 20,000 times over. And I, <laughs> and I guarantee you Tomlin has won us two to three Super Bowls with the team that he, he has in Buffalo right now. Oh, wow. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Tomlin, Tomlin's winning things. He's going to get his team ready. They are ready. They're going to compete. But this Pittsburgh team, it doesn't go where Pickens goes. It doesn't go where the defense goes. It's going to go as far as Kenny Pickett can throw. And I just can't trust that just yet. San Francisco is fully loaded. Basically the same team that that uh, was in the NFC Championship game last year. Brock Purdy has a whole year and a half under his belt as far as being the number one guy. Trey Lance is no longer an issue in San Francisco. He's now actually over there in Dallas. Uh, J- Jason can talk about that later. And so San Francisco has no worries in the world, okay? They're ready to roll. San Francisco defense is going to be top two in the league. Their offense is going to be top ten. And Brock Purdy, all he has to do is be efficient. And we've seen it from him all year last year. That's what I did not see from Kenny Pickett. So picking this game, I'm going San Francisco, and and I'm going to take those points. Yeah, this almost feels like a laydown. I don't trust Pickett much like yourself, and this is the reason that I picked against Pittsburgh, and this is the reason I picked Tomlin to go below 500 for the first time ever. Uh, I I think this is an incredibly bad matchup for Pittsburgh. That front seven is going to get after that kid and I don't remember Pickett having or I'm sorry I don't remember their quarterback having great um great resolve or, or, or great outcomes when that front seven is in his face. not a lot of wheels for Pickett just doesn't yeah and doesn't throw well against the blitz now I'm a Pickens guy I understand you got it someone's got to get him the ball but uh I am drinking the Kool-Aid and uh 
Shout out to the team toss draft. I made sure to draft him late. He fell right into my hands at like the seventh or eighth round. And a 12-team or two, that wasn't, I was not ready, but we lucked out. Um, I like San Francisco. This is going to be one of those games, first team to 20. And I don't see Pittsburgh able to score 20 points against that defense. I see McCaffrey sneaking around and ending up with like 140 total yards of offense, 80 on the ground, and 60 through the air. And they're going to find a way to put up 20 points. They'll get two touchdowns. They'll get two field goals. And they'll end up winning this game something like 20 to 13. Uh, I like San Francisco. I love the points. Jess, this next game, we will not spend a ton of time on. Arizona, they are a seven-point dog. They are facing the Washington, I want to call them Nationals. They are the Commanders. (laughs) Arizona is in full fucking tank mode, Jess. Fuck. They pulled out the fucking, they pulled out the heavy artillery. They were like, nope, we are no longer defending this area. We are done. Take our flag, flag, folks. We are out. Holy shit, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Shout out to my boy, Mike. Uh, I can't remember his Twitter handle. He doesn't use it very often. My friend, Mike. He spent some time over in Arizona as a teacher. He fell in love with the area. He fell in love with the football teams. He fell in love with the basketball teams. He's a huge Phoenix Suns guy. And so now he's kind of been – He uh, the Arizona Cardinals are his adopted team. And he went and spent uh, some money uh, on a, uh, a bet GM ticket, and the Arizona Cardinals will go to the Super Bowl and win. And if they win, it's a huge, huge payout. But we all know that that's not going to happen. But Mike, thanks for playing. Yeah, uh, the Washington people like you, Mike, keep Vegas, keep those beautiful Vegas casinos well oiled and yes. clean. And a lot that's of people, you do stupid things when you're a fan, right? When you're yes. when you're when you're a when you're like a huge fan, right? Like when you're a legitimate fan of something, you do dumb things. He does it every year. He always goes and he he plays the same ticket, picks the Arizona Cardinals to win. I love him for it. He he loves his his uh, Arizona team. So uh, in this game, in this game, the Arizona Cardinals are terrible. Kyler Murray's not even playing. I don't actually know. I think it's Josh. Dobbs is their quarterback. I don't think they're going to announce until the game. I, I mean, I think honestly they're going to flip a coin and like let a couple of fans like get jerseys and go <laughs> go play at this point in time. Uh, the Washington should be the fucking Redskins football team. Jeez, Washington Commanders win. I think the Commanders are trying to turn it around there with that new ownership, but I've I've been wrong before. This they'll be better. Absolute... They'll be better this year than they were last year. All Washington has to do is not turn the ball over here, and they'll win by ten. They'll win ten to nothing. It's. I like Washington. <laughs> I like the points, and I think Arizona is going to have a very difficult time winning any games this year. They might go one and sixteen. They might go zero and seventeen. They are licking their chops for Caleb Williams. Let me tell you. All right. The look biggest, good in Arizona. The and right by and right by right on right by SC. You can keep taping those Wendy's commercials. Uh fucking Houston <laughs> Texans are the biggest dogs of the week. God, it's been a while since we've said that. Huh? Shout out to our boy Justin Von Doom. Ten point dogs. They're on the road. They're taking Baltimore. And I almost feel like the tennis low, Jess. Who you got? So correct me real quick, because the Houston Texans took C.J. Stroud, correct? Is the accurate? Okay. Uh, 
again, I'm not saying that Stroud is a terrible quarterback or that Ohio State quarterbacks have a history of not turning out to be very good NFL quarterbacks. Although statistically speaking, I, I think that that's true. Um, I like where Houston's going, the direction they're going. They're kind of slow building the franchise back instead of complete tank mode as Arizona's doing and then trying to like rebuild in like a year or two. I think that Houston's doing it the correct way. Uh, but this year is not their year. Uh, I think Stroud's going to get beat up. Damian Pierce is a fantastic running back. They have a lot of fantastic wide receivers. But the team is incomplete. And Baltimore, well, they're healthy. Lamar's healthy. He just got paid. The defense is is all healthy. And they have Odell Beckham Jr., I don't, who I don't expect to have a great fantasy year. But I expect him to be a great help to Lamar Jackson. Team guy, team yeah. guy, rah rah guy. Baltimore, guy. Baltimore rolls Houston at ten points is huge, and I don't like taking double deficit numbers normally, but I'll take it in this in this uh, this case. Yeah, just tell me if this sounds familiar. Rookie quarterback, rookie coach, playing a team that just got a bunch of new toys. Yeah, I'm taking Baltimore. I'm taking the points. That's easy. Yeah. Godspeed, Houston. Uh, here's, an, here's an interesting one. And our first 1 o'clock game. So we've crossed the threshold. The Green Bay Packers. One love. They're taking on the Chicago Bears. The Bears are a one-point favorite at home. This spread tells me, much like our game I discussed earlier, the Sharks in Vegas don't know what the fuck to do with this game. Who you got? Man, uh, I again, not a lot of film on Jordan Love. Well, at least not a lot of good film, right? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I can confirm there's film. There's film. It's just not the prettiest film in the world. Um, I, I, I like Jordan Love in the this off season has looked part of a NFL a starting NFL quarterback, right? I mean, he's he's not looked bad in preseason. He looked pretty sharp. And it's his team now, right? Aaron's gone. It's no longer, you know, the the Aaron, the the Brett Favre versus Aaron Rodgers, and then the Aaron Rodgers versus no. Jordan Love this show. Is, it's now it's is, just Jordan. This is chips in the middle. Credit to Green Bay and their GM. They wanted to see what Love's got. They wanted to get rid of Rodgers. They got rid of the headache. He was he was he was doing full CM Punk shit. So they got rid of him, and now they got their guy. So you got it. You got a more of a happy, cohesive locker room, but I don't know if that's going to translate to wins. No, and the reason is is having being a winning franchise, and we all know being a winning franchise takes multiple areas to to have to be cohesive in. You have to be cohesive in the locker room. You have to be able to uh, do the right thing on the outside of the stadium, like when you're just in the, you know, civilian areas and stuff, doing autographs and things like that. You have to be cohesive in the weight room, diet planning, and then you have to be cohesive as one unit on the football field. But the, here's the thing is that they just, they're, they're cohesive, but they don't have great athletes. They don't have great performers. And that's not going to translate to a whole lot of wins for the Green Bay Packers. It doesn't matter if Jordan Love ends up throwing for 4,500 yards. He's going to have to find people to throw 4,500 yards to. Is it going to be Christian Watson? Is it going to be Romeo Dubs? Is it going to be one of their three tight ends that they drafted from rounds three to five? Like, I mean, 
we have to figure this out. In this case, I know that Justin Fields is not the greatest passer, but he hopefully has gotten better. And they have him some legitimate weapons in Chicago. So shout out to our boy, Chris, who is a Bears fan. And I would be excited if I was a Bears fan because I believe that this Bears team can at least make some ripples in the NFC this season. I'm going Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. And uh, and if it's a one-point mix, I'm definitely taking the point. This is going to be the game on Monday where you got all of the the morning shows with two fistfuls of Chicago Bears Kool-Aid, and they're going to be fucking drinking it like Stone Cold with two Steve Weisers. They're just going to (laughs) be fucking double-fisting it. Green Bay's defense is good slash great, but they're going to have a lot of issues on offense with their offense hitting those three and outs because Love's going to have problems moving the chains. And Fields is going to have those two or three breakout superstar fucking John Madden video game plays, whether it's to Mooney or the other DJ Moore or Herbert, where you just go, damn, those guys got a little bit of separation one-on-one and they put the burners on and God damn. Um, I think Chicago rolls. I think this is yeah. going to be something like a 10, 14 point win. Uh, I love Chicago in this game. Doesn't necessarily mean I love them in the season, but for this game, love Chicago, love the points. What a fantastic week one start for Justin Fields, right? Like if he, Dude, I'm telling you, He's going to get the ball moving, and he's going to have those two or three electric plays that we know he can yeah. make. And everybody that's doubled down on Justin Fields being good is going to be fucking screaming it from the rooftops. And that's and, cool. And, and that's to cool. top things off, it's it's week one against a very Green Bay Packers team. Yes, So huge rivalry, right? These Bears fans are going to be so happy because they they rarely get to punch Green Bay dead in the mouth because Rodgers is doing fucking discount double check, belt check, belt fucking flexes (laughs) on him. It's been a while since they've been able to just go, we're rolling Green Bay and we love it. It's going to, they're going to be some, our boy Chris W. Powers is going to be doing the fucking running man. The Cabbage Patch, the Dougie, <laughs> all that shit. His kids are going to be dancing with him. It's going to be like a fucking Sesame Street party. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, there is, I see three and a half. I see four. Let's keep it three and a half, Jess. They're traveling to Denver. Denver is the favorite. Who you got? Uh, I really want to pick the Raiders for my first upset, but I can't because they've got to travel to Denver. And I know it's not the longest way, but mm-hmm. the the air, the there we go. The, it's the, week one. Let's the go. The atmosphere and everything yeah. is super weird. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Denver, and I'm gonna keep it short and simple because I don't think that Denver is gonna be anything great this year. They're gonna be very mediocre. Russell Wilson, I mean. He, I think that he's probably not even in Denver next year. Like I don't know where he ends up, but I don't think he's in Denver next year. Yes. And and I and I'm gonna be straight up right now. In this day and age, with the youth movement in the NFL, an old dog like Sean Payton just don't have the same juice in the locker room. 
Ooh. He, he is not going to pull. You, are, you just took the fucking gas tank can <laughs> and turned up the heat on the takes right now. Wow. <laughs> Sean Payton's old school way of doing things and coaching up football teams is not going to hold the attention very well of some of these youngsters like Jerry Judy and, and Javante Williams and some of these mm. other guys. You know what I mean? And if you can't hold the team together, it's, it's going to be a mess. But in this game, I will take Denver and I will take the points. Could you imagine – I'm going to go three different ways here, first of all. Could you imagine if this game is like 10 to 13 with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter and you've got another Russell Wilson, seven for 20, 82 yards and two turnovers because he fumbled once and he threw a bad pick. Could you imagine if he has that game, which is very possible because the Raiders' defense is not bad. Uh, I am going upset special here. I am going Vegas, and I am taking the points because they're the dogs. Um, could you? Here's my second point. If Kyler Murray is going to be available next year and Russell Wilson doesn't work, doesn't Denver have a shitload of draft picks or they traded them all for Russell Wilson? I think they traded them all. No, they, Fuck. What they, traded, they traded all the draft picks to Seattle. That's why Seattle ended up with a brand-new football so, team. So what is it going to take to get Kyler Murray over to Denver? Why Why wouldn't they be trying to fucking figure that out? If Russell's not going to be your guy and that there's going to be a short fucking hook, a very short leash on Russell this year, if he don't figure it out between six and eight games, uh, that's not Sean's guy. Sean will get him right the fuck out of there and bring in some random motherfucker that he has more confidence in. Um, I I don't agree with your take of, you know, the, the cultural thing. Sean is more of an old guard coach. I think he. I think he knows how to talk to players. Uh, I think he's more. I think he's more of a players' coach and less of a coach. Coach. I could be wrong, but I think. I think, he, that, I think in New Orleans he was more of a of a Drew Brees coach. But in, I think in, in, New, in New Orleans he couldn't do anything wrong because of the hurricane. Conditions. Yeah. And then he look what happened Super after Bowl. the hurricane. How how many he winning seasons him. did he have after that? Uh, yeah, he had a few. He had a few. He tried One or two. Thing, but, but uh, so so again, I, but I see your take, and and I, okay. and I don't just, and I and I think it's fair. I'm going Vegas. I'm taking the upset here. I think this is going to be a very low scoring game, something like seventeen thirteen. Might be first one to twenty, and I could see a scenario here where they just go fuck it. We're pounding Jacobs. We're pounding our young running backs. We're setting up play action for Devontae. We're getting him the ball, and he's getting yaks. And uh, I like I like Vegas in a low scoring game. I do the, I, I do prefer Jimmy G at this point in time than Russell. Wilson I don't. I'll tell you what, and, and you know me, I you know me on Twitter, and I've been saying it, and I said it on our pre on our pre season show that AOC kid is going to start at some point. Yeah. I don't think Jimmy's going to finish the season as a starter there. I think it's going to be AOC. I think that kid's got some fucking talent, and I think he's got some juice. He's got some moxie, baby. I hate I hate to do this comparison, right? But it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. That kid could totally come in and pull a fucking Tom Brady. Now, when I say that, do I mean he's going to go on and be the best quarterback of all time? No. But what I mean is he can be a guy that comes in and works his ass off and ends up starting because their starting quarterback struggles, and then he takes that starting job and doesn't give it back for six or eight or fucking ten years because he just ends up being the guy. 
Um, Jeff, let's move to the next game here because, again, we're, we're going a little long, which was expected. The Philadelphia Eagles, the representatives of the NFC in last year's Super Bowl, they're a four-point favorite. They are playing the New Orleans – New Orleans, ay ay ay, the New England Patriots. Jess, who you got? Uh, I don't even know why this is so close. Point spread wise, uh, I think I think Philly wins double digits. Whether it's ten, Ooh. whether it's ten, thirteen, seventeen, I think I think Philly wins big. Uh, the the word on the street is that Juju's knee is toast. Oh, and he I heard this. Be playing football. I heard that. Uh, Bill Belichick has gone and gotten fifteen running backs and no wide receivers. So like, I mean, I I don't honestly, I'm not sure what Bill is doing this season with this football team. And then the fact that at one point in time, Mac Jones was the only quarterback signed all the way up until the point uh, of signing. Uh, I can't remember the kid's name. All of a sudden, I'm doing the bad social media thing where I can't remember the guy's name. No, but, you're right. It was it was a kid they drafted and they cut and they brought Yeah. Him so, uh, like, I just don't really know what's going on with the New England Patriots. I had predicted them to be last place in the AOC East. But I think I also predicted them to win a lot more games than I'm thinking that they're going to win now. This game is going to be a blowout, even if it's it's in New England, but I don't care. Philly's the Philly and San Francisco are the tops in the NFC. And and they're going to blow out. They, they I mean honestly, they're the tops in the NFL outside of like Kansas City. Then you can throw, you know, the Chargers and the Bills and all that kind of stuff somewhere in those mix, but, but those two teams are elite right now. And so this this game's going to get over. It's going to be over quick, real fast. Is it like snowing in New England or some shit? I don't. I this four is there a hurricane way too low. The fucking Florida hurricane moved on up. Uh, yeah, this four seems low. The old I could see a scenario where the Patriots keep it close for a half, and then the Eagles turn it on in the second half, and Jalen just says. All right, fuck this. I'm just taking this game over. This feels easy like a seven to a ten point win for Philly. And yes, Jess, you're right. I have no idea what the fuck that New England's gonna do offensively this year. They're they're really gonna count on running the ball thirty times a game in that defense. It's not going to work. Philly wins, Philly rolls, and New England's gonna look bad in this game. The Miami Dolphins traveling from Miami. To L.A., they are taking on the Chargers. They are a three-point dog to the Chargers, Jess. This is a this is a marquee game. This, this game is sexy. Who you got? This is this is one of our. I think that out of all the games we've done, this might be our first sexy game of this the is, week. This is that, well, the Lions in Kansas City is a little sexy, but this yeah, is okay. Really I forget. This so get me the Thursday night game. The Thursday night game is like the warm up. For this game is like completely NFL horned at this point in time. This this is the game. Uh, Miami with that explosive offense, the Chargers with the explosive offense. Neither team really likes to play defense, so we're going to see like a 33-30 to 30 type football game. It's going to come down to whoever stops who first or last, actually, because that's going to probably be the deciding factor. Uh, I believe as of this point, everyone's healthy. Uh, including Keenan Allen's knee issues. I believe that he's he's uh, as close to 100% as a guy who's been in the league for like 11 years can be. Uh, Mike Williams is healthy, I believe. So the, the receiving class is going to be okay for, for the Chargers. And Quentin Johnson, uh, uh, their rookie wide receiver, 
is expected to probably pick up some of the slack from the two older and often injured vets. And then, of course, they got Austin Eckler and uh, and the, the other running back that, that's pretty explosive. Uh, I like the three. I think the Chargers win something like, like I said, I think the Chargers win something like 33-30. It's not, it's going to be an offensive football game. There's going to be very few fourth and outs or three and outs uh, in this game. Everybody's going to keep scoring until the last person who gets a stop, that team wins. I'm not as high on the Chargers as everybody else is. Um, this feels much like you're describing who has the ball with two minutes left. Um, I I like Miami in an upset. This feels like it's going to be 27, 30, 30, 30, 36. It's going to be an, an insane, highly scoring game. This might be one of those games that starts off slow and then you get to the third quarter and all of a sudden it's like both teams score 17. It's going to be one of those games. Uh, I like Miami in a slight upset. Um, so, of course, we're taking the points and that's my third upset here of the week. Jeff, the Los Angeles Rams, I'm seeing five and a half across the board here pretty much. I do see one five, but I'm seeing for the most part five and a half. So we'll keep it at five and a half. They're traveling to Seattle. Who you got? Uh, I like Seattle. In our in our uh, over-under show, I spoke very highly about the Seattle Seahawks team. I think that they they have a legitimate shot of at least challenging the 49ers in that in that division. Uh I don't think that they they win the division or anything, but I bet you they at least split season games with the Niners. The Seattle Seahawks are an extremely talented football team. They have a, an extremely talented offense. And as long as Geno Smith and again I'm going to fall back on my quarterback thing. My my theory oh. is the quarterbacks they they rule all. Geno Smith, if he has a a season even close to what he had last year, he doesn't have to have that. That season was like magical for Geno, and I'm not sure if he can top it. But if he can stay within the realm, especially with the the lower end of uh, interceptions and turnovers, this Seattle team will go very far, and they will put up a lot of points doing it. They have an extremely talented running back. Uh, lots of wide receivers now to throw the ball around to. And that defense really is going to look similar to the Legion of Boom era. Lots of defensive player, lots of defensive playmakers and young, hard-hitting, hard-working defensive playmakers on that team. And if you want to talk about player coaches, you get none better than Pete Carroll. So Pete Carroll's out there dancing still. You know, doing the doing the worm or whatever the fuck he's doing out there. He's throwing he's throwing thirty he's yard. Having a good time. He's throwing thirty yard wobblers out there and stuff. Still, so that guy is a player's coach to be all other player coaches. And so in this game, I am taking the Seattle Seahawks, and the five points I think is is uh, generous for the Rams. But uh, I think it's it's not much more than five. I think that, you know, the Rams are, are decent enough defensively, especially to keep things close. I think the Rams win something like, you know, 27, 27, 17, something like yeah, that. 27, 20. I lost you. You said Seattle wins or Rams win? Seattle wins. Yeah, Seattle wins. Um, God, I hate the Rams this year. I think they're going to struggle. I think the Cooper Cup thing is, is I mean, you just talked about Juju, but what the fuck's going on with Cooper Cup? 
Um, I can see a scenario where they have a short hook with Stafford. And I don't, I don't think they're – we talked about this again on the pre-show, our, our preview show, the last recording we did. I think two things here. One, Seattle really maximized all of their talent last year, and they got every drop of juice that they could out of that fucking lemon. They got it all. The Rams are now in that scenario where they 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 sold out to win a Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, and now you got to have that year or two come down. And this is the second year of that come down. Uh, I like Seattle. I kind of want to say I like the points for the Rams, but I can see a scenario. Because I want to say this is a three or four point game. So five and a half feels kind of high to me. But my my Rams, I just I'm out. And I could and for some <laughs> reason I think I for some reason I think Seattle wins this by a touchdown. So I'm gonna say Seattle on the points. But I I said I was a little iffy on a game earlier. I'm a little iffy on the points for the Rams. But we'll see. Could also be a scenario where the Rams get the the fucking brakes beat off them, and we look back at this next week, and I went, damn, I was wrong about the Rams and those points, wasn't I? All right, Jess. We got two games left, and they just so happen to be both our of games. Our... Yeah. Games. What, do you know? what do you know? Thank you, schedule maker. Yes. The, 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 by the way, Jess, I will be on the fucking road driving from Fresno to L.A. during all of the games, and I will more than likely be at downtown Disney for dinner during this goddamn game. So I will probably miss all of all football this weekend. So when we're doing our week two recaps, I will be leaning so heavily on your eye because my eye is going to be blunt. Uh, Dallas, they're a three and a half point favorite. And I see some threes out there, but that's pretty much across the board. They're traveling to New York. They've beaten Daniel Jones. I can't tell you how many times I've lost count. Who you got? Uh, I think the three and a half is generous for the Giants. I think it's going to be more like nine. You know, I, I if if they would have had eight points, I would have taken the points for Dallas. Still, like three and a, three and a half is generous, man. Like they're saying, they're basically they're saying that this game is going to be a close, yeah, almost a toss up, which is absolutely beyond ridiculous. I'm going to do it again as I've done many many years in a row with the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. They are a Super Bowl contending football team. They may not be as explosive as the Eagles or maybe, you know, their their defensive line is not as great as the 49ers. But if you put together collectively what this unit can do, they are just as good as what the Niners product is, is on the field. And just as good as what the Eagles product is on the field. They have They have playmakers that can do things and make things happen. And again, here I go once again, Dak Prescott will have to be the man to lead this football team to the promised land. Where where Dak goes, the Dallas Cowboys follow. They have the talent on the field. Uh, Zeke is no longer eating them out of house and home. Now you actually have some trim and slim running backs in there who are still fast. Uh, you've got, you know, C.D. Lamb, uh, who is quickly on the rise in the receiving rankings. Uh, you've got so many playmakers on that field. And if you want to switch over to the defensive side, I mean, that defense really is going to eat teams alive this year. 
if they're winning a Super Bowl, if they're going anywhere in the playoffs, it's because of that defense. That defense is just – it's outstanding. Outstanding, fast, and just mean. Fast and mean, and I love defenses like that. Great at, uh, great at basically every position. Yes, from, from – yeah, exactly. From the line all the way back to your safeties, like they're all just extremely talented and just very just hungry to just hit people. And I love that, hit people. So the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they are what they are. But where we are with the, uh, the New York Giants is a little bit different. I think that maybe three to five years ago, we were talking about the Houston Texans. Oh, they're the lovable losers. I'm not here saying that the Giants are lovable losers, but they're kind of the team to love. Like They're like the third cousin that you see on Christmas that you're like, oh, man, how are you doing? I haven't I seen you in so, such a long time. time. Dude, I, got, I know I heart all the stuff you put on Instagram, I, but I've got to spend more time with you. Exactly. And then you don't see him again until next Christmas. That's this year's New York football Giants team. Brian Dable has done a good job of putting together – you know, mediocrely to above average talent. And he will try to squeeze that talent for every bit of juice that he can, but they will be good and not great. That's just simply where the New York Giants are. So you got a good team versus a, an, an elite team, basically. And and it's a, it's a squash. It's over. Like, you know, CM Punk just got fired. John Moxley went out there and cut a mean-ass promo. That's Dak Prescott after this game. He's going to cut a mean-ass promo on Daniel Jones. Uh, uh, take the uh, take the uh, Cowboys. Take those points. Good Lord, please yeah. take the points. Uh, Dallas can, Cowboys I, roll. I will spend a very limited time on this because I want to get to my Trey Lance take. Uh, I, the Cowboys roll. This is a 7 to a 10-point win. Don't get it twisted. I just said it, and I'm going to underline it now. The Cowboys will always beat Daniel Jones. He always has issues playing Dallas. Their defense is better than ever, and they're probably going to be down 10 to 14 points quickly. And then you've got Daniel Jones digging himself out of a hole against that defense. It's not happening. I like the Cowboys. I love the points. But Oh, and also, Jess, one more thing. Uh, squeezing the squeezing every drop out of that piece of fruit. That is what the Giants and that is what that coach did last year. He's going to try and do it again. And there's already some issues in that locker room with Barkley not getting paid, with Barkley not getting what he wants, with Dale Jones getting overpaid. It's the, I, much like Seattle. I think there are going to be two teams that were in the playoffs last year that were not in the playoffs this year. And I think the Giants are one of them. I believe Seattle was in the playoffs last year. I don't think they'll be making it this year. Um, quick tangent. The Trey Lance trade was stupid, and here's why. One, you're giving up a value pick. Any pick below the fifth round is a value pick. If you can use that for an offensive tackle, a defensive tackle, any type of potential starter or anyone they could come in and sub on the fly when someone is injured, you make that fucking move. Two, They've already got a really good backup quarterback. There's no reason for a third backup quarterback when you have a proven backup quarterback that knows this system very well. Cooper Rush knows the system. He's one in the system. There's no reason to bring Lance in. It does nothing for this team. Third, the moment you bring Trey Lance in, you start getting all of the turmoil in Dallas, questioning in Dallas. What is Dallas doing? You start getting... All of the hyperbole that comes with a trade like this, 
And then you start getting the comments from the coaching staff that are like, well, we didn't, we didn't make this trade. Jerry made this trade. It, it just looks bad from the outside, and I don't think short-term it benefits the team at all. Now, long-term, if they end up flipping them for something, whatever, I guess it makes sense. But was it worth the price of admission? Was it worth dealing with the pundits on TV going, oh, well, the Dak's really got to do it now. Otherwise, they've got Lance there. It, in my opinion, it is not. And this is why I think the trade was stupid. You have uh, any thoughts on this trade, Jess? Yeah, to- it, I, I absolutely, if there are coaching staff saying we didn't pull this trade, this is a Jerry trade, when it happened, the first thing that went through my mind was Jerry Jones made this happen. This is this has this is no, Jerry this is, Jones no, this written was not all a McCarthy over move. This was not a McCarthy move. No, McCarthy, this, this, McCarthy this, said I had no idea this was coming. This is a Jerry Jones move, one thousand and ten percent. This is him thinking that he's going to hype up Dak by bringing in another young quarterback and a former, you know, what was he? First round pick, third uh, third pick overall, something like that. Would, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to hype up Dak. And also thinking on the back end, well, if it doesn't work out with Dak, then at least I have this guy who, you know, was highly touted enough to get picked by the San Francisco 49ers, third pick overall. This was a Jerry Jones move. And I'm telling you, it was not a good move. Just because Jerry Jones makes a move does not mean it's a good move. Uh, I think that it does disrupt the quarterback room. It's going to be, I mean, Dak, I think he's professional enough to just go and sit down and deal with it. But there's going to be people in that room that are kind of like, uh, why do why do we even have this guy here? And and it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for some guys because they they know in the back of their heads this was not a coaching staff move, this was not a McCarthy move, this was a Jerry Jones move. And to reiterate what Jay said, they used a fucking fourth round pick. You know how many stud players in the league there are that came out of the fourth mm-hmm. round. Probably um, uh, like well more than we can even think of. The fourth round is not necessarily a pick 'em round; it's a value round. Like Jason already said, whatever you get out of the fourth round, typically that player will stick around your team for a while, and if not, they're going to stick around the league in general for a while. You gave up a fourth round pick for a busted ass first round bust. I am sorry, that is a terrible pick. But again. Uh, absolute, complete, 100% Jerry Jones move. Yeah, I hate it. Anyway, the Buffalo Bills, your Buffalo Bills, two-and-a-half-point favorite to travel in the New York Jets, the most talked-about team possibly other than the Dallas Cowboys on all platforms, all television shows, all podcasts, all AM radio dials. Jess, I'm assuming here you're going to be making this pick with a little bit of favoritism, but who you got? Uh, I'm going to shock you. I, I'm oh, going to go, no, I'm, I'm go New York Jets. We one. did a lot of this last year, Jess, and I wanted, I, so listeners, let me say this before Jess does this, and I don't mean to interrupt him, but I want to make this crystal clear. When we did this last year, Jess picked against the Bills a lot, a lot more than I thought he would. Go ahead, Jess. I'm sorry. I did. And I try to keep things reasonable, but in this case, I do believe that the Buffalo Bills are still uh, they're still trying to collect themselves from the last from last year. Last year was tough. Last year they came in uh, the uh, uh, they were the uh, number one ranked football team to start the season. 
they came in week one. They blew out the defending uh, champions, who, uh, or or uh, or they they'd blown out a couple teams. They'd got some big wins. They'd gone through some season, uh, some tough losses. It was a tough year. They had the Demar Hamlin thing. They had the uh, the snowstorm that put like eight feet of snow in Buffalo. They had a lot of like weird natural disaster type things that happened. It was a very very tough season. I think that this year is uh, the off season at least has been a time to recoup and kind of rebuild some of what they had before. And uh, I've been hearing a lot from Buffalo pundits and Buffalo players that, you know what, uh, we're glad that we're not ranked number one right now. We're glad that people are looking a little bit down on us. I'm glad some people are saying our window is closing. It takes the pressure off. So uh, I think midseason, you know, it's going to be a different story. But week one, I I think – that Aaron Rodgers still has juice left in his arm. They've got Garrett Wilson. Uh, they got his boy, uh, Al- Alan Lazard, over from Green Bay. So he'll have, you know, a friendly face on the field. And the two biggest takeaways from the New York Jets uh, offseason so far has been the uh, the addition of Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook now gives you a one-two punch with Brees Hall. And I thought Brees Hall was a fantastic running back to begin with. Now you have two stud running backs. That means that Aaron Rodgers does not have to do everything with his arm. He can do- toss the ball sideways to Dalvin. He can just let Brees run up the middle. And and if he wants to, then it opens up things down the field. So I think it takes pressure off Aaron Rodgers. And then besides that... Uh, the Buffalo Bills, they've got one stud elite wide receiver, that is Stefan Diggs, who does, in fact, love being in Buffalo and don't get it wrong. And then after Diggs is a bunch of question marks. And yes, I am including Gabe Davis in that. Wow. I'm not ready to put Gabe Davis mm-hmm. in the elite type wide receiver status. Well, no, he he's, he's good. But, he, but is he a serviceable too? Is the, is the question. Is there, he... he, to me, he has not shown me enough to be a serviceable two. Wow. He's got good numbers. If you That's look at bad. his numbers, if you look at his stats, you're like, damn. You're talking about a guy who caught four touchdown passes in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Yes, big games, big numbers, but, man, that drop rate is huge. For a guy as big as he is, as talented as he is, his drop rate should not be anywhere close to what that percentage is. And we're talking about big passes. Last year against the New York Jets, a matter of fact, a game that we lost. We had to come back. We were on the comeback trail. Seconds left in that game. Josh Allen throws an 80-yard, yes, 80 yards in the air, 80-yard pass (laughs) to Gabe Davis. Dude was on his own, like, 10-yard line when he tossed this ball. Gabe Davis, in the bread basket, drops. Yes, it was well covered. I get it. But when you want to be known as elite, when you want to be known as the 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 legitimate number two, down. you bring that you, ball. You bring that ball in. That's it. Now you're right. Wow, that was a hot take. You know what? That's unfortunate. I should have I should have uh, ran these takes by you before I drafted Gabe Davis in every single one of my leagues. Now I got him late. So. I like Gabe. His his like I said, his stats he's the are second be there. receiver on a team that's gonna throw over fucking forty five. To 5,000 yards. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is a doom and gloom Bills closure, but I'm picking the fucking Jets too. I like the Jets. I, you're going to, I'll tell you right now, Jess, much like the Cowboys, you're not going to see me picking against the Jets a lot this year. 
I love that defense as long as they're healthy. I love what they're doing at the running back spot. And we're going to see Salah deliver a heavy dose of 20 to 30 touches for his running backs. You split them up. Whoever's hot keeps getting fed, which is going to create play action, which is going to get, which Rodgers is fucking fantastic at. That is going to be the difference. I think this Jets team only has to score 20 points to 23 points, and they're going to beat teams every fucking week. The biggest problem they had last year was they could not score. They kept putting their defense in positions where they were just three and out, three and out, three and out. We did the numbers last time we did our taping. They lost so many games by one score, and some of those one scores were like three points. That'll change this year, and they're going to be a fucking problem. I think the Bills, much like you said, had such a weird year once the Hamlin stuff started, once the Hamlin called tragedy happened. Now, I know great things have happened since then, and now it's like a, a Disney story, but that shit rattled the cage of that team last year, and you can't tell me any different because they played differently after that game. Um, this year, I don't know. I, I don't want to say they're trending down, but in this division, that AFC East, shredding water ain't going to cut it. Being the same team you were last year ain't going to cut it. You got to be better. The Jets got better. Miami got better. You got to be better. I like the Jets. I like the points, Jess. Yeah. Buffalo definitely needs to be better. And and here's the part about that kills me. And I'm sure that you're in the same boat because, you know, being a Dallas Cowboys fan, I, I know that the Bills have enough talent and heart to succeed, but there's still just that one little tiny component missing. And it's the component that, like, brings it all together and makes them a, a Belichick, Brady-type Patriots dynasty that makes them a, a Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes semi-dynasty. And the component <laughs> is whatever it is. I still don't know what it is either. I mean, maybe well, it I'll is just the is, offensive I'll line. Maybe I'll it's coaching you. staff. I don't know. I will tell you. Do you think their defense is better than Miami's? No. Do you think their defense is better than the Jets? No. So there's, there's a big problem. Do you think they have a better receiving core than Miami? No. Uh, they might have. Uh, they might. Have I think a they're better. better than New York. I would say they might or be on par. Yeah, they're better the than the Jets. Jets. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that because I mean Wilson is is unproven as opposed to he is good, Diggs, but he's unproven. He's definitely as not. He's definitely not Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kilgood. And, and, but and he's not Diggs, who we know is a proven cat. Now Diggs is, is unhappy right now. Lord knows how long that's going. Lord knows what the fuck's going on there. But I think you are right, Jess. And also, Jess, when you look at their running back core, do they have better running backs than Miami? I'd say no. Uh, I'd say they're better than Miami. I don't know. Moser's a motherfucker. Moser's cool, but I I actually like cool. James Cook a lot. I, I I I really think that this is gonna be a, a, this is gonna be a heavy year for James Cook. I think it's gonna be a good year, and they, I like Cook. I liked Cook even at Georgia when he was basically serving as a backup running back. When we drafted him, I was super high on us drafting him. So when Buffalo did draft Cook, I was very happy. And the genes are there. Like you know, Dalvin is Dalvin's a beast. James is a little bit smaller version. 
but fast, shifty, can but you're, but excellent been, catching the catching the ball, excellent run after the catch. So, but are they doing running back by committee or Cook is their starter? Cook is going to be the RB one, and, and then and then after that you have Latavius Murray as like your short yardage guy, oh, yeah, yeah. and then you it's have Damian uh, Damian Williams, I believe is his it's name. Getting kid, messy. Uh, Harris, Damian Harris, uh, the kid out of New England. It's getting messy. So I. I I think there are some glaring spots. Where Better you can, than Miami. Not know. as good would, as, not even as close to as good as the Jets. I would disagree with you on the Miami Jets uh, because I'm a big Moser guy. I'm an annoying I like Cook better than Moser. I, I, we got to see Cook. I've got to see Cook. All right, Jess, we made it. Hit the wrap it up button. Folks, it was a good show. Week one, uh, week one uh, over-unders or uh, money, money line and pick-ems in the books. Folks, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're an NFL fan, you should enjoy the show. There was a lot more commentary than we intended, especially when we were talking about, you know, teams like the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. We went long. It happens. We went long. It happens. But, folks, we love you guys anyway. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Share and care uh, the show on Twitter at uh, uh, TeamToss21. Follow Jason at Valdez, spelled backwards, 559. Follow me at JTT81. And then, of course, follow our network friends over at Variety Sports Network uh, at Variety underscore sports underscore. And then uh, without going into a whole lot of shout outs, if Variety Sports has another podcast that they follow or follows them, please just follow them. Uh, Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports, like I said, Saturday Countdown is just to name a couple. There's so many more under that network. And also go to their YouTube page at Variety Sports Network and hit that subscribe button. All right, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week. Peace, God.